0: I know you guys have seen a few adults serving us here here and there on Sunday. Uh, just to remind you, you have Dr. Bryant, Ms. Mr. Uh, Garrett back there on the base. Um, so w- when, when you see new faces or unfamiliar faces serving us, uh, make sure you express your gratitude um, to them. And um, oh, I forgot. I, you know, the reason why everybody sounds good all the time is because of the the, the AV crew. So don't don't forget, um, Mr. Haya in the back. So, all right. Do we have any visitors this morning? First timers, guest. We have uh, Tobias James in the back. Mr. Tobias James, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was telling the guys earlier, you know, the, the strong men who were arm wrestling, um, I told them that I was actually teaching our kids last night about wrestling. So I started them with, with thumb wrestling and then arm wrestling, and then leg wrestling, and then actual wrestling, and they were they were having a blast learning that. I'm sure when they get your age, the parents will start telling them not to, not to do that. All right. Uh, thank you guys for your questions last Sunday. Sorry, we only covered five. Uh, they definitely weren't easy questions, the ones that you, that you guys sent. But it was good for us, really good for us to be talking about things like lying, anxiety, even dating, also anger, and um, how, to, how to deal with bad influences. So I, I appreciated your, your questions, even though they weren't easy or simple um, I hope it was an encouragement to you to to go through those passages that we that we covered thank you guys well today is a is an ex- exciting day i've been looking forward to this morning because we're starting a new book okay we're starting a new book of the bible the book of ephesians and um I hope that you have been you have been doing what i've been recommending that you do is reading the letter of Ephesians in one sitting. Who who got to do that? Who's read the whole book in one sitting, all six chapters? Eleven. Okay, so the rest of you, you have you have this week to to do that. Okay, um, eleven out of sixty. So try it again. It's uh, you know my wife. My wife has been doing it. It takes her about thirteen minutes. I've been doing it. I've been aver- averaging around sixteen. Um, so she's she's a little faster, but you know, English is my second language, so I can understand why there's extra you know extra couple minutes there. But it's really not that long. Okay, it's, it, don't be intimidated uh, by the books of the Bible just because it's an old book and just because it's it's you know it's not what you're used to. Uh, get used to it. Get used to opening your Bible in the morning or at night, reading reading one letter at a time. Just how they would have received it again remember only 15 minutes of your day uh like i said last time 155 verses right shouldn't take you more than 18 minutes and i'm sure we can shave off 18 minutes out of our day uh, being used for for other things that are not beneficial so that's my challenge for you students make sure you try that for those of you who read the eleven, how, how long did it take you to read it? I don't know if you time yourself. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you didn't care about that. But uh, how long? Yeah, about, 15 minutes. about fifteen minutes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 15, minutes. fifteen in the back. Eighteen. 18. More spiritual. Eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> the ladies. good <laughs> yeah um, what, uh, what, what did you guys like about what you've read so far I don't know if you've only read it once maybe you've read it a few times but what what did you guys like about reading it in one sitting six chapters 155 verses that's fine maybe, maybe as we go through it you'll find something that you like how about uh how about things that you found challenging? So maybe maybe not like how about the opposite some, some challenging things. What did you guys what you guys read that was challenging to you? That's good too. That's good. Um I'm glad that that it's not that challenging. Um it you know, it, there there are a lot of other letters that are a lot more challenging. You know, we I mean, there's one about Jesus Christ ascending and descending. Uh, other 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 than that, you know, to the higher parts and to the lower parts. That you know, that's a little bit challenging. But other than that, um, not a lot of challenges in the book of Ephesians. I, I think the most challenging uh, parts of Ephesians are the ones that convict us, and it demands us to change the way we live, and it commands us to obey the commands. That would be the challenging parts. Not so much, you know, what is he saying, what does he mean by what he's saying, but, but how does it affect us. So thank you guys for uh, taking, taking up the challenge. Keep reading it. Again, if you do that every day for one month, you will know. You will know the, the book of Ephesians. All right, well, make sure you have your Bible open to Ephesians chapter 1. Make sure you have a a handout and something to write with. We are going to look at the opening verses in Ephesians. Just the first two, verses 1 and 2. So if you're there, follow as I read verses 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, we have extra uh, there in those baskets. And by the way, if you are wondering... Okay, I know I know uh in your season of life you usually receive a Bible from your parents and then and as you get older you kind of start p- having your own preferences, you know, of Bibles. Um and if you have been sitting under my teaching and under Pastor Scott's teaching and and you really want your own Bible, you really want your own translation, uh this would be the time to do that. Okay? Because when we go through books of the Bible like Ephesians and we're looking at at the book verse by verse, and we're looking at Romans we're looking at it verse by verse and pastor Scott's explaining a word right and I'm explaining a word it would be easier for you to have the same translation be easier for you to follow okay especially in in types of books like letters because we're we're going we're going all the way down to wording um, so if you uh if you're wondering, if you if you're asking my opinion for translation, I would get the national um, the New American Standard Bible NASB, uh, 1995, not the 2020. Stay away from the 2020. Okay, 1995, if you can. If not, I understand. Um, all right. Okay. Ephesians chapter one, verses one and two. Follow with your eyes as I read it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll, we're just going to spend our morning looking at the, these two verses, and, and it's the opening opening section of Paul to the Ephesians. And I think it's really going to give us a, an introduction and an, even an overview of the whole letter. So I don't, don't want to skip the first two verses. The tendency when we're reading books of the Bible, especially if you're reading it in one sitting, is to just kind of read it quickly or skip you know, the, the beginning verses and the ending verses because we tend to just think, oh, that's just Him saying hi in the beginning. I really want to get to the meat of the letter, and then we get to the end, and we just we're tempted to say, Oh, that's just him saying goodbye and then we tend to just you know kind of link link those sections out and then just focus on focus on the body and and that's not right that's not right thinking because god okay God uh moved in the in the hearts and the minds of of these people, like the apostle Paul when they wrote. Uh, these books and these letters, and God intended that we hear every single verse, every single word, and He intended that we understand what those verses mean, even even the simple ones like a greeting or or a closing. So this will give us an introductory um, overview of of Ephesians. Okay, so in your handout, I want to look at three introductory lessons. And I'm purposeful with that word lessons, because as I explain uh, the verses, and even when we get to the specific words, I want you to get lessons out of them. So three introductory lessons in studying Ephesians from these two verses. Here's the first introductory lesson, and it's going to come from the first half of verse 1. And by the way, okay, if you're looking at my my handout, uh, you look to the right, it has, it has a number, that's the verse reference. Okay. If it has the letter, like 1A, that means I'm splitting one verse in sections. So 1A would be the first one. 1B would be the second one. If I have a 1C, that's the third one. Make sense? Okay, I don't want you guys to, to be conf- confused with how I come up with the, the handout. So here's the first one from the first half of verse 1. The authoritative author the authoritative author. This is from the first half of verse 1. Look at it. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. How many of the New Testament books did Paul write? 13. Anyone who wants, who wants to uh, debate that? You guys agree? Really? 13 students? It's got to be more like 20. How many How many uh, books in the Bible? I mean, in the New Testament, letters. Come on, Bible class, co-op. 20. 20 what? 27. Okay, 27. So Paul wrote 13 of the 27. I was just, just challenging, challenging you guys to make sure that you're confident if you do agree with 13. So he wrote 13 of the 27 Books Now, the question for for Ephesians for the book of Ephesians is how did Paul become associated with these people okay, the, the ephesians okay, so Ephesians is the, is the book the letter uh, Ephesus would be the place where these people called Ephesians live okay, so, so the question this morning is how, how did Paul become associated with these people, the Ephesians who lived in Ephesus that he would write a letter to them. Here's how, okay? I'll walk you through how he, became, how, how he became associated with these people. Number one, he went, Paul went to Ephesus as a missionary, okay? And if you're asking, I don't see that here. It just says Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Well, you find this in Acts, in the book of Acts, okay? Acts 18, you don't have to, th- you don't have to turn there. You can just write Acts 18, Paul went to Ephesus for the first time as a missionary, that's in Acts 18. Now that that visit, that trip, that, that trip was uh, was a short trip, a short visit. He was able to give them the, the gospel. He was able to go to the synagogue to teach God's word and reason with the people there, but it was a short trip. He would leave and then and then he uh, would come back later on in Acts. When, which one do you guys think? 19. Okay. 19, he comes back and the second time. This time, it's a lot longer than the first time. The first time, probably weeks or just a couple months. This time, in Acts 19, the second visit, was a lot longer. He was there for two years, okay, for at least two years. And many people believed the gospel while he was there, and people got saved, but some people didn't really agree with his message, okay? His main message, his only message was the gospel of Jesus Christ. That meant that he would have to that he told the people that they were sinners deserving of god 's wrath, and they and and he told them that they couldn 't save themselves, and he told them that the only hope for salvation for forgiveness of sin is in Jesus Christ, so that was his message now a lot of people believed that a lot of people repented of their sin, a lot of people turned to Jesus Christ and got saved, but not all of them did. Ephesus was a large, large city, not not all of them agreed not all of them liked Paul and his message so a bunch of people got together and those who didn't like Paul because of his message of the gospel and he and they kicked him out of Ephesus so he's gone again okay so he's gone again he would come back later on so this would be the third time he would come back later on in Acts when do you guys think 20 good job Okay, 18, 19, 20, all about Paul and Ephesus. Okay, um, you don't have to go to... Well, I, actually, I want you to go to Acts 20. Okay, go to Acts 20. This is Paul's farewell, his goodbye to the church there in Ephesus, specifically to the leaders. Okay, he's, gonna, he's, he's visiting, visiting them one more time. And he's going to uh, say his farewell, his goodbye to them, because he is on his way to Rome. He's on his way to Rome, where he, where he will be put in prison. And once he gets to Rome, put in prison, he has no idea what, what they're going to do to him. So he's thinking, I, th- I think I'm getting close to my death. Okay, I'm, on, I'm on my way to Rome. Once I get there, they'll put me in prison. I don't know what they'll do to me. I don't know. Maybe 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 they'll, they'll just kill me. So before I get there, I make sure I go back to Ephesus. I make sure that I, I get to say bye to them and and really just encourage and charge them. So Acts 20, go to um, seventeen. Let's just read the second half. Yeah, twenty seventeen. From my leaders, he, so this is Paul, sent to Ephesus, so he's back, and called to him the elders of the church, okay, the leaders, the pastors of the church in Ephesus. And when they had come to him, he said to to them, so here's a long, long uh, charge from Paul to, to these leaders, this is what he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Remember, a lot of people didn't like him. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That was his message. Even though they kicked him out a couple of times, he kept coming back, giving them the gospel. Verse 22, and now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. So he's going to Jerusalem, and after that, he's going to Rome. Verse 23, except, okay, he doesn't know what will happen to him next, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. That's just what's going to happen to him uh, moving on. Bonds, imprisonment, and afflictions, trials. Those are the things that await Paul. Look at verse 24. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. Yes, prison is coming. Yes, afflictions are coming. But my life, that's not dear to me. I don't don't count my life as something that I want to protect, that I want to, to really love. Why? Why, Paul? Why don't you? 24b, so that I I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. So he knows. This is most likely the last time he'll see the Ephesians. Therefore, because this may be the last time, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers or leaders or pastors to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. So I came as a missionary. I gave you the gospel. All of you believe. Now you have leaders. So leaders, just just make sure... Just make sure that you shepherd this church. God bought this church with his own blood through his son. Verse 29, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Not not animals, but bad people. Bad people who will come in in the church. And, And from among your own selves, men will arise. So even from you guys, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Verse 31, therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years. So he was there for the first time. He was there the second time. Two years plus plus a little more from the beginning and a little more from this third visit um, accumulating to about three years is saying. Okay. For a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. So you can tell that he wasn't just this missionary who visited and said, you want your house painted and your uh, orphanages uh, get some TLC? I'll do that. Okay, see ya. He He wasn't that. Okay, he came. He preached the gospel. He told them what the gospel was. He talked about God. He talked about sinners. He talked about sin. He talked about repentance. He talked about faith. He didn't sugarcoat anything. Right. That's why people did not like him, because his message was offensive to them. And what did he do? He kept coming back. So he was a missionary, he was a pastor, he gave them the gospel day and night, he met with people, he admonished people with tears. Why? Because he loved them. So verse 32 makes sense. He says, Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Jump down to uh, verse 36. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. So he gets on the ship, right? Fast forward, uh, chapters 21, pretty much all the way through 27, is Paul's um, uh, long and uh, action-packed, if you want to read that, 27 to 20, uh, 21 to 27 of Acts. It's long and action-packed journey of Paul from here, from Ephesus, to Jerusalem, and all, finally to Rome to be put in prison because he preached the gospel. The last chapter of Acts is Acts 28. Uh, He arrives in Rome, and he's put in prison there. It was during that time, they say, the scholars say that that's around AD 60 to 62, so almost 2,000 years ago from today. Okay, so just do the math, 2023 minus 60. It was during that time when Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. So that's his story. That's, that's how he became um, associated with the Ephesians. He was their friend. He was their missionary, their pastor. He He did a lot of things for them, sacrificed everything for them, and now he's writing to them, and this is how he starts his letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So notice that, go back to Ephesians 1, Notice that Paul refers to himself as an apostle, okay? If you're familiar with, with uh, uh, Pauline epistles or, or letters of Paul, he would, he would either say, Paul an apostle, or, apostle, or Paul a what? Bond servant. A bondservant, a slave, right? Here, he chooses to, to call himself an apostle. Now, this word simply means a messenger sent by God, okay? If you, if you want a definition of an apostle, it's a messenger sent by God. Paul wants the Ephesians to know that everything he's about to tell them is not from him, but from God. Okay, that's the first thing he wants them to know, that everything he's about to tell them, everything that he's written to them is not from himself, but from God, not his own opinions, but God's truth. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not the, you know, it'd be, like, it'd be like going to a restaurant, right? You order something and you get your food, and you, cl- you complain about your food, and then the, the waiter or the server says, Hey, I'm just a server. I just deliver your food. You ordered it. The chef made it. it that's, what, that's what you get. That's kind of what an apostle is, a server, uh, a waiter. I'm just bringing you your food. I didn't pick what you're going to eat. I didn't cook it the way it's cooked. The chef was in charge of all that. And because it's from God, okay, everything that he's about to say, everything that he's about to tell them is from God, and that it's God's truth, it means that it's authoritative. That's the lesson that I want you guys to get from this first half of verse 1. It has authority, okay? Think about it. It's from God, okay? He is God. He has, he has all-encompassing authority, and he spoke Right, And he gave that to people like Paul, the apostles. And he sent them. Right, He sent them, and those apostles either <laughs> communicated what God gave them through, by speaking or by writing. So yes, it's from apostle. Yes, he's a man. Yes, he's flawed. But he's an apostle of God. He's an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. So everything is authoritative. Okay, so the Ephesians, when they read this, and then they read Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, they would have known that. This has authority. Okay, this means that it demands our attention, it demands our belief, and it demands our obedience. And it's the same for you students. I don't know how long it'll take us to go through Ephesians, you know, you guys have been reading it. Uh, and you're trying to see things that you like about it. You're trying to see things that are a little bit more challenging. But, but it's the same for you today. Everything that you have been reading, okay? 155 verses, 6 chapters, all your 18 minutes that you spent, okay? Everything that you've been reading and everything that we'll study in Ephesians is God's Word. It means it has what? Authority. Okay? It's from Paul. He's an apostle, so he has delegated authority. And it's really from God, who's the creator of all all things. He has all authority. So it's the same for you students. It means that you have to listen to it. It means that you have to believe it. It means that you have to what? Obey it. Okay. So when we get to the verses that talk about election and predestination, it does not matter what your parents think. It does not matter what your old church taught, okay? Election and predestination is in Ephesians 1. It has authority. So how do you respond? Just like how they responded back then. Okay, I need to pay attention. I need to listen. I need to, I need to believe that, and I need to obey it. It has authority. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This is God's word. When we get to the verses that that, um, tell us that we're dead in sins, in our sins, and that we're children of wrath, even as the rest. When we get to those verses, guess what? That has authority. It does not matter if you think that you are a good person. It doesn't matter if your grandparents have been telling you, oh, you're such a good kid. Those things do not matter. This is the authority. Okay? You are a children of God's wrath. You are dead to your sin if you are not in Christ. So what do you do? Just like what they did back then. Submit to authority. I need to pay attention. I need to listen. I need to believe that. Oh, but, you know, I think I am a good person. That's not the authority. This is the authority. Oh, but my grandparents, they just love me. They've been telling, that I, you know, telling me that I'm just this, the best kid. No, that's not the authority. So you submit yourself just like they did when they first received it. They had to believe it because it's authoritative. You too have to believe it because it's authoritative. When we get to the second half of, of Ephesians, when we get to the verses that command us to stop lying, to stop stealing, okay, that section there, Ephesians 4, and you get to Ephesians 5, right, you get to Ephesians 6, and then it starts to tell us to honor and obey our parents, for this is right. For this is the first commandment that has a blessing so that it may go well for you. Once we get to those verses that give us commands that we don't really want to obey and they're kind of convicting. (laughs) Guess what? All those commands have what? Authority. Oh, but my friends, you know, my friends have good friends. They're good people and they do it differently. They don't really obey and honor their parents. You know, they excuse stealing. They excuse, um, they excuse lying. It doesn't matter what your friends do. It doesn't matter what your friends say. They're not the authority. This is the authority. So I want you to think about that lesson. Yes, it just says, hey, I'm the writer. My name is Paul. Yes, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. But that carries weight. That means that everything that we're about to study has authority. And how do we respond? Just like they had to back then. They had to give it attention. They had to believe it. And most of all, they had to obey it. Here's the next lesson. The Christian readers. 1B, so second half of verse 1. The Christian readers. So we're moving from the author to the reader. And these readers were Christians. Okay, that's the lesson That's where the lesson is going to come from, the Christian readers. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, notice, Paul refers to his readers in two ways. He calls them saints, and then he calls them faithful. Okay, If, If you're wondering why, uh, if you really think about it, a Christian is primarily primarily those two things. Okay, If you profess to be a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, if you think that you're a Christian, you're primarily those two things. You are a saint and you are faithful. That's who you are if you're a Christian. Now, if if, if that's you, have you ever referred to yourself as a saint? If you're a Christian, have you ever referred, referred to, to yourself as a saint? no why not why not give me a reason yes they're dead they're they're dead yeah normally they're dead yeah normally yeah saints are dead yep that makes sense any other reasons yes lies People like, that. like me? No, no. It's spelled wrong. It's spelled different. It spelled different. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, like Luther, Augustine, all the you know, Calvin. Um, just like like up here, way up here. You know, we're like down here, right? And um, and that's that's understandable. When I was uh, when I was young, I went to a private Catholic school in the Philippines. I had a a nun teacher. Okay, with the, the covering and all that. Uh, I had a nun teacher. I, I will never forget her name. Her, her name was Sister Mary. Very, very kind, very nice teacher. And um, we had to go to a Mass. So a Mass would be uh, the Roman Catholic's um, church service. So we would have to go to Mass in that private Catholic school once a week. And, um, and the priest would, would always pray to the saints. You know he would pray to Saint Peter to Saint Paul, which is Paul here, and then he would pray to other saints who I've never heard before, you know saint Saint Augusta from whatever you know, and Saint whoever else or, you know from whatever time and I didn't know why they did that, but later on I found out I found out that the Catholic saints were special people, like how we usually think of saints today um I found out that the Catholic saints were special people because they could, they could present people to God. They were dead, but they could present people to God. That's why the Catholic people would pray to them. Now, how did they make people into saints in the Roman Catholic religion? Here's the process, okay? Think about it. Here's the process. They would pick someone who's been dead, okay? But, but someone who's lived a, not perfect, no one's perfect, but almost perfect, really good person. Okay, really, really um, honorable person and someone who has performed at least one miracle. So they, you know, it, let's say pretend, it big pretend. Okay, don't tell your parents we, we did this for real. This is a big pretend. So let's say this is the Catholic Church, right? And then, you know, Rachel stands up and says, hey, uh, I know it's that time of the year. You know, the committee's here. I would like to nominate a saint or a person who needs to be voted into the sainthood of the Catholic Church. And she would say, I nominate uh, Joe Smith. You know, he died 13 years ago, but you guys know Joe Smith. He lived, uh, he lived a great life, very honorable, uh, and, and he performed a bunch of miracles, at least one. And I was there, I saw it. So that would be the process. He, a, a nomination would, would come up. But then... There's a the devil's advocate they 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 call it. So you know, let's let's say um, um, Katie stands up. Uh, well, I, I know Joe Smith. You know, he was a friend of a friend of my cousin uh, who uh, who my dad worked with, and um, he wasn't really all that great. And that those miracles, you know, I don't know, they're not really verifiable. And then they would they would kind of. Talk about it, and then the committee, us, would be you know, um, uh, listening, and then at the end we would make a decision. So let's say uh, we really think that Joe Smith uh, did all that. So we're gonna we're gonna declare him as a saint today. He is now added into the sainthood of the Roman Catholic Church, and then now people can pray to Joe uh, Joe Smith because he could now intercede for people who are still alive with God. So. I share all that because that kind of mess, you know, that that whole thing messed up how we view sainthood, okay? Here, Paul says, to the saints, so are they dead at that time? No. Uh, Did all of them perform a miracle? No. Okay, but that's what he calls them, to the saints who are at Ephesus, Okay, I didn't know this, but the Bible refers to Christians as saints 61 times. Okay, that's the Bible referring to Christians, alive Christians who did not perform anything, any miraculous thing, 61 times as saints. Literally, this word means holy, okay? If you have the NIV, your translation says, to God's what? Any NIV people? I keep referring to NIV. If no one has an NIV, you just tell me. You're like, why are you keep saying that? No one has an NIV here. You do? To God's what? Holy people. That's really it. Okay, that's, that's the meaning of the word saint, is holy. Okay, holy. And, and if you're looking for a, a definition of holy, holy means to be set apart. Set apart. So if you're a Christian today, when God saved you, when you became a Christian, he set you apart, okay? He set you apart in two ways, okay? Here's one way. He set you apart away from your sin and away from the world, okay? That's the first way of your becoming holy, becoming a saint. The second way that God set you apart is he set you apart to himself and to his works, So that's a Christian, not how the Catholic Church uh, defines sainthood. It's not how we think of saints today, you know, someone who's like really up here, like like the Reformers and Puritans. No, if you are a Christian, you are a saint. If you're a saint, you're holy, and you're holy because you've been set apart. How? God set you apart away from your sin, away from your worldly lifestyle, and He set you apart unto Him. Unto his works. That's a Christian, students. Not only that, a Christian is secondly what? Faithful. A Christian is faithful. Okay? Verse 1, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful. In who? In Christ Jesus. So this is to put your faith in Jesus Christ. This is to realize that you are a sinner it's to realize that you deserve God's wrath, and it's to realize that you cannot do anything to save yourself. It's to realize that you are not good enough to save yourself. So what do you do? You put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you want a little bit of a more simple word than that, you know, putting your faith in Jesus Christ, it's putting your trust in Jesus Christ. If you want specifics, how Christians do that, We do that in two ways. Number one, we put our trust in who he is, that Jesus is the Savior, the only Savior, the only person who saves sinners like you and me. So we trust that he is a Savior. I'm not the Savior. My parents, who are great people, they're not the Savior. savior. So that's one way that you put your trust in Jesus Christ. The second way is that you put your trust in not just in who he is, but what he's done. Okay, you put your trust in what He's done, that He went to the cross as a perfect person, bearing all of your guilt, all of your shame, all of your sins, all of your transgressions, and He died on the cross, paying for all of those things for you. So realizing that you could not do that, realizing that you're not able to do that, so you stop trusting in yourself that you could save yourself, you stop trusting in your works, you start trusting in what Jesus has done for you. So that's faith. Okay, so that's the Christian, students. So think about it. Think about it. If you call yourself a Christian, you're claiming to be someone who is a saint. Forget what the Catholic Church thinks. Forget what we think about the, the Reformers and the Puritans. We just think about the 61 times that the Bible calls Christian saints. If you profess to be a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian, you are you are at the same time saying and claiming that you are holy and that you are faithful. So let me ask you this. Is that who you really are? Is that who you really are? Or do you just throw your title around? Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But is that who you really are? Look at your life outside of Sunday when you are home or at school or work. Look at your interactions on social media and online. Would others say... That you're living a life that is set apart. Would people say that? Would they see a difference in you because you're no longer serving sin, that you're no longer serving the world, but you're now serving Christ, and you're now serving righteousness? Would they say that? You call yourself a Christian? Okay. By, by the Bible's definition that has authority, you're first a saint, holy, set apart. Is that you? Is that how you live your life? Would people say that, or or would they say that they see no difference in your life? Would your unbelieving friends, unbelieving cousins, unbelieving coworkers, would they say, "Oh, I did not know you were a Christian," because in their mind you're the same as they are, you talk the same, you think the same, you do the same sinful things. How about your faith? Are you trusting that your sins are forgiven and that you're going to heaven because of Jesus Christ? Is that where your faith is in? Is that what you're trusting in, who Jesus is and what he's done for you? Or are you still trusting in yourself, your good works? What you can do, what you haven't done? That's the lesson here. If you are a Christian, you are number one, saint, holy, set apart. Secondly, you are faithful. You put your trust in Jesus Christ in who He is. He's the only Savior and what He's done for you. He's the only one who could pay for all of your sins on the cross. That's a Christian. Third lesson, the encouraging greeting. The encouraging greeting. This is from verse 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Here's the greeting. Verse 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a a common greeting of Paul, uh, and these two words are important to him in all of his how many letters in the New Testament? 13. In all of his 13 letters, he mentions grace 83 times. And peace 47 times. Very important to him. Remind, what he's doing here is that he's reminding his readers of what they have. Okay? He's saying, let me just remind you, Ephesians, here's what you have in Jesus Christ. You have grace and you have peace. How would you guys define grace? Not done yet, guys. We're not done. How would you guys define Grace. How about peace? How would you define peace? And you don't, you don't need to be fancy, just how, how you think about those two words in your own words. Yes, go ahead. Not fighting. Not fighting. Great. Not fighting because there's peace. Anyone else? Grace, peace. Yes, Spooky. Uh, for peace, probably like just trusting, in God. trusting in God. Yeah, you have peace inside of you. You have the peace of God. Yeah, Spencer. Grace, unconditional love and yeah, unconditional love and forgiveness. Great, great. So, grace is, um, I want you guys to start adding into your definition the word undeserved. Okay, so grace is undeserved uh, favor of God towards sinners. Okay, grace is undeserved favor of God towards sinners. That's grace. So you can encompass under under that word favor. You can encompass God's love, God's um, God's patience, God's mercy. It's His undeserved favor towards sinners like you and me. Peace on the on the other hand is God's. Um, I would I would want to make sure that I add this uh, have this word reconciled relationship with sinners. There's, you know, there's no fighting because there's reconciliation. There's trust because there's been reconciliation. So grace is God's undeserved favor towards sinners, while peace is God's reconciled relationship with sinners. So Paul said, Paul's reminding them, hey guys, Ephesus, just to remind you, here's what you have from our God, our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. You have, number one, grace. And you have secondly peace. You have grace because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. Okay, you didn't deserve to be saved. You deserve hell, but because of His grace, He saved you. And you have peace. Okay, the Bible calls uh, the Bible says that we are in enmity with God. We are enemies of God before God saved us. But because of His love, because of His grace, His favor. He provided a way for you to be reconciled to Him. So you're no longer an enemy of God. You used to be. And therefore, you have peace. So students, take, take this to heart, okay? Grace is what you need the most because it grants you forgiveness and salvation. And peace is what you should want the most because it changes your position. You go from being an enemy of God to a child of God. And if you're not a Christian today, this is the most encouraging news to you. You can have grace. You can have this this undeserved favor from God. You deserve hell, but grace says, I'm not going to give that to you. I'm going to give you salvation. And then you have peace. You used to be an enemy of God, worthy of God's punishment and eternal damnation. But because of God's love for you, Because of Jesus Christ, you are now reconciled. You can be reconciled with God, and you can become a child of God. That is the most encouraging news. And that's what I want you guys to take away from these two verses. Again, very simple yet profound. Lots of lessons just from the author, from the reader, and even from the greeting. Now, real quick, flip your handout over. Uh, look at the back of your hand. I, I provided you an overview of Ephesians. Uh, I hope you'll find this very helpful. Um, let me walk you through it real quick, okay, real quick. So, you can put this next to your Bible when you're reading the book of Ephesians um, starting tomorrow morning, okay, 18 minutes. Now, if you add this, maybe 20, you know, because you're going to be looking back and forth, but I, I, I think it's really going to help you. So... You have two divisions, okay? You have the Lord's gracious work, chapters 1 through 3. I don't know, those of you who have been reading, maybe you've been noticing that. Man, it's just about what God has done, what God has done in Christ Jesus. And then the second half, okay, maybe you've noticed this. You get to chapter 4, and then Paul says, therefore, you're like, oh, there seems to be a switch here. Now, there's a bunch of commands, right? So I'm calling that the Christian's worthy walk. And you're like, ah, oh, that makes sense, you know, because because chapter 4, uh, verse 1 and 2, he says, walk worthy of your calling, right? He says, worthy of your calling, and then he starts using this, this analogy of walk. He, he does it six times in chapters 4, 5, and 6, so maybe this is ringing a bell, and you're like, now I see it, right? So the first half, you can you can sum it up in you know in belief or doctrine position in the second half you have the behavior the duty or the practice if you like to alliterate now the topics okay the topics you have salvation in christ you have inheritance in christ you spiritual life in Christ, and, and, and then that first half ends with the unity in Christ. He talks about, you know, the dividing wall being broken down. Now, here's the mystery. What's the mystery, Paul? Jews and Gentiles can be now together because they are now unified in Christ. And then switches, chapter 4, be united in the church, be holy in your behavior. Remember, you know, the stealing and the lying and all, all those things. And then the next section is be submissive in relationships, right, to to your to to your um, to your employers to your husband to the church to to the leaders, and then the the popular chapter right the the God's battle plan for believers the the armor of God and that is at the end there so what would be the theme I, sh- I should have left this out so that that w- I could have given this to you as your homework but here's the theme uh to walk in a manner that corresponds to our identity in Jesus Christ. That's the theme of Ephesians. To walk in a manner that corresponds, that matches, okay, to your identity, to who you are in Christ Jesus. If you call yourself a Christian, you are a saint, you are faithful. And this is what it looks like, Paul says. And you walk worthy According to that, he says. Author, Apostle Paul, we covered that. Readers, believers in Ephesus covered that. Place uh, from Acts. That's the Roman imprisonment in the time around 6062. Questions before we, uh, we end? What are you guys going to do this week? Read Ephesians. Read Ephesians. One sitting. And have this next to your Next to your Bible. And see, you know, challenge yourself. Okay, can I come up with a theme statement? You guys do that for school, right? You, did they, do they still do that, right? You read like a poem, even like a haiku or something, or even a big book, and then the teacher says, okay, what's the theme statement? And then you're going to have to do that. You guys still do that today? Same thing. Same thing. Okay? Challenge yourself and come up with a theme statement. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your word thank you that that it's straight from you through your apostles through your prophets who spoke it and who wrote it so that we can have it today we pray that for the next uh many many months we pray that we would have a submissive humble heart because this is the authority this is you speaking to us this is you telling us what you have done for us This is you telling us how we should live according to what you have done for us. So I pray for the students who are in this room this morning, those who are not Christians, those who sat there in the past 45 minutes thinking that your word is boring, that you have no authority over their life, that they just want to do whatever they want to do, and they don't like the message of the gospel. They don't want to be called sinners. They don't want to be um, asked to change how they live. I pray for those students that, that you would just be gracious to them, that you would grant them peace, peace with you, and that they would uh, put their trust in Jesus Christ and who he is and what he's done for them so that they can become Christians, so they can become different, be holy, Uh, be faithful. That's our greatest prayer, and uh, we ask that you would just grant that. Thank you for the students, how they pay attention, how they listen, and we look forward to what you're going to teach us from Ephesians. Bless our day today. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.